Welcome to the Nebraska Hawksmen. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their point. But they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled! Corn Huskers? More like Corn Suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go Hawks! All right, welcome back to your Hawkeye Oasis, located in a Nebraska desert or the Nebraska Hawks Nest. We are lucky enough to be joined by Iowa Hawkeye basketball legend, Megan Gustafson. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. We can't like just skip over. You got a pretty cute little sidekick there. Is that pan- the famous pancake? It is. She's excited to be on the show. <laughs> Pancake the WNBA Corgi, as she's known on Twitter. It's a really oh. fun account to follow uh, for any of our uh, watchers out there. So, anyway, Megan, how did you and Pancake come together? Uh, how you know where did you find her? How what's the story there? It's kind of a crazy one, actually. Um, it was my first year playing overseas in Hungary, um, and I was researching corgis for sale. I've loved corgis specifically for years, ever since honestly, like the beginning of high school. So. Um, I kind of just bided my time waiting to see what's out there, obviously waiting until after college. Um, and I honestly, I waited until we had an off day in Hungary and I traveled on my own on a bus all the way to Poland. Um, I went to the stranger's house to get her and then I flew back on the plane that day back to Hungary. So <laughs> wow. I don't know the story, but it's meant to be. So what are the odds that there's some sort of mascot work in the future for Pancake, like, you know, with the Mystics or anything like that? Because, I mean, that dog has just exudes so much personality and it might be one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen. I would love that. You know, I've I've had her with me everywhere from overseas to Dallas to now with the Mystics. So it's been fun having her and um, just having an extra travel companion, too, because it's a lot. You know, being a professional basketball player, you're traveling all the time. You're alone a lot. So. Um, she's been amazing. Well, Pancake's adoption trip, she's already more well-traveled than I am. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, no, that's an awesome story. So, and uh, anybody that's followed on social media, she gets to participate in some practices here and there and uh, team activities as well. <laughs> so it's, it's it's a great account to follow. So uh, Megan, walk us through and catch up all the um, Hawkeye fans right now on how, how things are going in, in Washington, um, how you're acclimating to the team and how that process has been going. Yeah, it's obviously been, um, you know, an unexpected summer. Um, I spent training camp with Dallas um, after spending two years with them. Unfortunately, they had to release me due to salary cap stuff. Um, and so I spent about a month, oh, probably a little over a month um, back at home. I'm living in, in Um, Hudson, Wisconsin, which is about a half hour from the Twin Cities area. So um, I have a house there and I was training 
um, just staying ready. I think that's been the most important thing for me. Um, and it's really important for other pro basketball players to stay ready um, because, you know, we're in and out of the league unexpectedly, you know, you can get that call at any time. And so, um, yeah, Washington was able to pick me up in mid June. Um, you know, they, they really needed bodies. Um, you know, the injury bug, unfortunately hit them pretty hard, especially in the post area. And, you know, I got the call from my agent, um, talked to her. She's like, can you get on a plane tonight? I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> so um, I'm just thankful, thankful for Coach T for believing in me. And, um, you know, he was intrigued about me and how I fit into their system anyway. And so, yeah, it's been a whirlwind, um, but I'm thankful. Megan, for those of us who maybe barely even peaked in high school athletically, how, what, is that, <laughs> what is that kind of pressure like? I mean, you know, I, I kind of equate professional basketball like, you know, the decisions are in the hands of business people and decision makers, whereas high school and college was really more talent and more self in your own control. You know, what is that different mindset or what's that like being in a, in a pros where that whole facet kind of changes? And by peaking in high school, he means us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obviously um, a mindset that you have to work on um, each and every day. Um, you know, as you're younger, you're kind of just learning how to how to be a basketball player and how to um, be a leader. Um, and that comes with time. I think a lot of energy spent on figuring out um, what your role is. So obviously in high school, I kind of had to do everything, which is fine. Um, and then in college, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what, do, what does Iowa want me to do? What do they need me to um, really work on? And, uh, you know, it was a great system for me, obviously. And, um, and then you have to switch gears again, when you get into the pros, it's obviously um, been an, very up and down for me um, ever since Iowa, but you really learn how to be a professional, um, you know, ever since then. And um, roles change, obviously, you know, I'm not scoring 28 points a game like I did at, in, at, at Iowa. Um, but right now I'm able to really provide an energy off the bench, um, get our post players some rest and to be a rebounder. And so I'm really excited about my role that I have and being with the mystics, they really um, embrace what I bring to the table, my strengths, you know, I'm efficient inside, I'm able to run the floor, um, you know, and be able to to play with whoever's on the floor with me, you know, whether it's Tina Charles inside or Teresa Plaisance outside. Um, and so again, it's a lot about adjustments too. Okay. And, you know, just to play off of what you just said, you'd been kind of, you've been quoted in the past as saying that where you're at right now is, is really kind of a post player's dream. Can you expand upon that and why that system is so fun to play in for you? Yeah, it's been amazing to be able to learn under some incredible post players, you know, Tina Charles, obviously Lena Deladon too. Um, it's just, it's incredible to be able to be a young post player being in the league um, and to just, see what they do, see how are they successful. Obviously, you know, I'm not a, the same player as Tino or Elena. Um, you know, I'm my own type of player, but I'm able to get, you know, pieces of advice and slowly learning how to play with each and every one of them. I think that's been a huge part of my professional growth is, okay, um, I'm not going to do the same things as I did at Iowa all the time. Obviously, I'm going to get some of that because that's what I do best. But it's figuring out, okay, how am I going to adjust my game when Tina is in with me? How am I going to adjust my game when Teresa is in with me? And so um, that's been a, something that I've really worked on as a professional. So with Joe uh, Wieskamp and Luca Garza getting drafted this week, what was draft like for you? I mean, what was the anticipation? You know, what was that feeling behind the scenes? And then really maybe next step, what was your welcome to the NBA moment after that or WNBA moment after that? 
Yeah, um, I was really um, lucky enough to be able to be invited to the actual draft ceremony um, in New York. So that was really fun. Um, I was able to be there a couple days beforehand to meet up with the other draftees. Uh, we kind of went through this orientation session. My family was um, flown out to be there too. And so that was really incredible. Um, you know, to hear your name call, that's obviously nerve wracking up until when you hear it. You know, your heart kind of feels like it's it's dropped into your stomach and you can barely breathe when when this everything starts going. But um, yeah, it's just a huge sense of relief once your name is called. And I don't know if it's the same with the NBA, but with the WNBA, you kind of know like a little bit ahead of time. Um, you know, for me, it was, you know, the cameras come up to you about five or 10 seconds earlier. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm next okay. kind of thing. Okay. Um, so it was just an amazing experience, something I'll never forget. And I'm really thankful for Dallas um, for drafting me. It just has been really interesting as a Hawkeye fan to see the reaction of the fan base for when you were released. They were pissed. Like people were upset. And then when you got signed by Washington, everybody was super excited. And, you know, I, I noticed myself and Jerry as well, like we were feeling those same emotions. We were like, what the hell? And then when you signed, we're like, yes, okay, she's back. Like, all right, awesome. It's how does it feel to be so embraced? by not only the University of Iowa, but the state of Iowa and everybody is just so behind you and really invested in watching you succeed. You know, it's it's such a blessing, to be honest, um, to have that support system behind me, no matter what, through the highs and the lows, when I'm getting cut, when I'm signed, when I'm getting cut again, when I'm getting signed again, um, just to have that support system, you know, not only from my family, but from the state of Wisconsin, from the state of Iowa. Um, it's really been incredible. Um, honestly, you know, it's it's kind of well known now, honestly, around the league about Iowa's fan base uh, because of me and what they've how they've reacted in terms of things. <laughs> like I'll talk to somebody and be like, man, your fans are crazy. I'm like, I know, but I love them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just special. It really is. And it gives me a lot of confidence, honestly, no matter well, what. I, I, think, I think the state of Iowa sees so much of themselves in you. And I think that's a big part of it because you're so humble and you're such a hard worker that the, the state of Iowa can get behind you so easily. They really see you as one of us. And, you know, when they see you succeed, they feel like that, you know, they're, they're there with you, you know, they're riding that same ship. And, you know, if you have a, a bump in the road, they're taking that bump with you. And, you know, that's one of the great things about being a Hawkeye is, you know, it doesn't stop when you leave Iowa, you know, the fans stick with you throughout your whole entire pro career. And we want to, we want to see you, see you have a great career, be a WNBA all-star and just light the league on fire. Yeah. I'm just very thankful again for the support that I was received given. So, me. And when you're, and when you're out of state and you don't have athletic talent, like Adam and I, you just start a podcast to make every, you know, try to get your popularity elsewhere. So. <laughs> But anyway, uh, you know, and the other thing is Iowans we always love is the fact you're from Wisconsin originally. You know, nothing nothing Hawkeyes like better than sticking it to Wisconsin. But um, anyway, kind of tell us about coming up through high school and, you know, and your recruitment and, how you know, how heavily you recruited, who you're looking at, and what, what was it that brought you to Iowa? Yeah, so um, I played for a um, really small town, obviously, um, 11 kids in my class. A lot of people know that story. Um, so, you know, thankfully I was able to get to the state tournament, um, my sophomore and senior year, um, in high school. And that's where I was actually first spotted, uh, by coach Fitz, um, my sophomore year at the Wisconsin state tournament. You know, she, I guess she, she said that I was able to score pretty well and um, had pretty good hands. So, um, you know, she kind of passed, I'm thankful she passed along the information to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they were able to follow me through AAU, 
Um, I played for Team Wisconsin, um, great organization. We were able to get some really good exposure, and I um, had a really good team. Um, you know, I think I ended up getting maybe 14 or 15 Division One offers um, from a lot of different schools, you know, some Big Ten, Big 12. Um, et cetera. It actually came down to Wisconsin and Iowa, which kind of makes sense. Um, and ultimately I chose I Iowa. You know, I just kind of kept comparing everybody to Iowa. And at that point I knew that this was the place I wanted to be. And, and coach Fitz would be Jenny Fitzgerald, correct? Long time assistant. Yes. Uh, yep. assistant leader. Okay. All right. Well, what was it about the University of Iowa and, you know, coach Bluter and that program that really made it a fit for you? You know, I think they were just super welcoming um, right away. It's really easy to talk to every single one of them. You know, obviously I worked with, um, you know, specifically talking with Coach Jay um, as she is the post player um, coach. And so just getting used to what she's like, what the rest of the coaches are like. Um, I could feel what their culture was all about. You know, it's it's welcoming. It's a family atmosphere, um, you know, and especially for me being from such a small town, it was really important to find that family atmosphere because I'm, I'm I am eight hours away from Iowa City and my family wouldn't always be there for me. And um, being from a kid from a really small town, I honestly like didn't wasn't around people that much, to be honest. So, um, you know, they were just welcoming and going on visits with, you know, at Iowa and meeting up with the team. They're the same way. You know, you could just feel that positive culture. Um, and that's what I wanted to be a part of. So Megan, what is that? What do you attribute it to? Because uh, the, that family atmosphere comes through so much in like the social media and how close all of the teammates and the coaches and everybody are, that doesn't always translate into wins and losses, but yet the program has sustained so much success. How, what is that behind the scenes in your estimation that they they're able to do and just then keep the success going, but also keep that family feel? Yeah. Um, again, just having that family atmosphere is super important, um, but it definitely um, takes work to keep that going. Um, you know, it's setting the bar for um, players to come after me. You know, when I when I was a junior and senior, I was setting the, the legacy, the bar of, OK, this is what a championship culture looks like and this is what it needs to look like moving forward. Um, and so there's definitely an accountability aspect moving forward, um, you know, and it starts with the coaches and, um, you know, what they're going to talk to us about what they're encouraging um, certain things. And it really just comes into the players because we have such a good relationship with the coaches. It's not just, okay, I'll see them in practice and that's it. And they're the boss. It's more like they're our second moms, honestly, like we can go to them for anything, any kind of problems with it, whether it's basketball or whether it's not, um, they've always had an open door policy. And I think that's been really important for the program. Um, players are able, are able to connect with the coaches on another level besides just basketball. From an outside perspective, looking in, um, write us a little bit of a, a narrative about what the culture is like being a WNBA player. You know, you go from league to league, whether it be the NFL, WNBA, NBA, Major League Baseball, they're all a little different in their, their own, you know, specific way. Uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like playing in the WNBA and what the culture is like in the locker room and just being a part of, part of the team there. Yeah, um, you know, it's been amazing to be able to be a part of, you know, not one but two WNBA organizations. I'm able to really expand my horizons and kind of see the league at a wider perspective. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit different, obviously, than college. It's more like, okay, this is your job. This is what you're paid to do. And so you come in, you do your job, that kind of thing. 
Um, but at the same time, I've been really blessed at my dog's playing fetch. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, we'll we're, very, we're very dog friendly here. <laughs> Adam does that from time to time on a broadcast too. So I, I do. <laughs> but yeah, I was just saying that, um, you know, I've been really, really blessed to be a part of two organizations where um, being with my teammates is super fun. Um, you know, they're amazing to be around. Um, we work really hard whenever we come in, but at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to be a family. We're um, spending time with each other outside of practice. Um, you know, we're, we're having a good time when we're together. And so I think that's been really important for me, um, you know, because I, I came from a program at Iowa where I'm used to that type of atmosphere where we're closer as a team. And so, again, I'm thankful for, for both organizations for kind of showing me, you know, even though it is my job and I get paid, I can enjoy doing it at the same time. So take that family environment forward then. How how did that translate overseas then? Because, I mean, you talk about being eight hours from home in Iowa City. I mean, now you're on the other side of the globe. And, you know, what what was that? Was that that experience had to be a little bit alienating, I would guess. But help, help fill us in on that. Yeah, it's definitely different. Again, being a professional basketball player, especially as a, a female athlete, um, you have to learn how to adapt. Like you have to. Um, and so whether it's coming from college and then going to WNBA and then going straight overseas and then coming back, um, it's definitely more of an adjustment overseas, especially, you know, your first year. Most most people don't speak really good English. Um, you know, some there are some countries where you have to have a translator with you at all times. I haven't had that yet, but I know of countries and people that have. I'm sure I'll run into that soon if I play in China or Russia or something. But um, yeah, it's definitely more of you're going to rely on your fellow American teammates. So usually um, you get two American teammates per overseas team unless somebody happens to have a European passport, which that does happen a lot. Um, but yeah, so just relying on them. I think it's been great for me to be able to um, really connect with those teammates. Um, and actually Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, who is my most recent um, teammate, we're actually playing on the Mystics now together. And so just having those connections is huge, um, you know, and especially coming back into the league. Yeah. On the other side of that, how refreshing was it to uh, play with Kathleen Doyle then when she uh, came overseas? I mean, was it was at least there was a familiarity there with somebody on that side of the world? But Yeah, it was awesome. So um, this past year, she was part of the team for the first half of the season. Tori was for the second, but um, you know, leading up into last season overseas, uh, we do have the same agent, um, Tisha Penanchero. And so she was already looking. So we kind of wanted to be on the same team, not necessarily like, okay, we have to, but hey, maybe there's a team that's looking for somebody, um, you know, that type of duo where they play well together, that sort of thing. And when the opportunity came up, um, we obviously took it. Um, you know, there was an offer beforehand in Russia. Um, that wanted both of us, but we said no. Um, and then we got this Poland offer and um, it just seemed like a better fit for both of us. And so it was just awesome to be reunited with her, to be playing on the court. Um, you know, our chemistry on and off the court was, was amazing. And so again, just really thankful that we were able to be teammates again. Uh, circling back to your time at the University of Iowa as a student, and this is going to be a non-sports question, so it's kind of odd, but what is uh, one or two of your favorite non-sports memories just being a student at the University of Iowa? Yeah, um, I was a part of the Tippy College of Business. Um, I was a marketing and finance double major, and so just being able to be around um, people who want to be doing the same career that I do after basketball. It's just really kind of cool to, to see the different kind of elements that go into different majors um, 
walking into the business school each and every day, meeting up with people that, um, you know, you wouldn't normally meet in a team setting, um, which I think was really important for me because at the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to play basketball forever. I mean, I wish I, I could, to be honest, but I can't. Um, just that. And I was um, roommates with uh, adorable Huckleby who played tennis at the University of Iowa the same years as I did. We were best friends, you know, instantly. And I think what's really cool, I'm kind of bringing this back to athletics again, um, but the coaches, it's okay. yeah, but the coaches from each team will meet up and be like, okay, I think this person would room well together with this person. Um, mm. So it's really cool how they sit down and they actually care about um, what your living situations are like as a freshman. Obviously after freshman year, you can live with whoever, but me and Dory, we, we lived together all four years. And so I'm forever thankful for that. And nice. she's actually only an hour and a half away from me now because she's living in Richmond, Virginia. So nice. well, that whole nice. circle moment. So with, as you became more high profile and as your career took off at Iowa, how difficult was it to be just an average student or could you, could you, I mean, was there a lot of notoriety that went with it or were you able to have more, have a kind of the average student experience as well? Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was average. Um, you know, I think in general, I do tend to stick out a little bit because I am, you know, 6'4", and, um, you know, I have dark hair, you know, that kind of thing. And so It says 6'3 online now. Are we in can I, can I, I am very much 6'4". I might even be a little taller. <laughs> we need to get that fixed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I've always kind of been used to um, sticking out a little bit more. Um, and again, I just love the the support that I had at Iowa, um, especially, you know, those last two years where um, just about everyone, you know, kind of knew who I was. And, um, you know, I, I love to be able to interact with fans and, and students and faculty who, um, you know, love the sp- love sports. And um, yeah, it was it was fun. I definitely did have, you know, a, nor- a semi-normal experience, you know, when I was going to business classes, when I was leaving, when I was going to study hall, that kind of thing, um, you know, because I, I needed that time to focus on the books. But, um, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> we like to learn a little bit more of, you know, a little bit of the personal side, too, of a lot of the former athletes. So, Megan, if you were given one movie and one movie only that you were able to watch for the rest of your life and you had to pick just one, What's it gonna be? Oh boy! Well, we want, to, we want to get to know the person too. Well, I'd have to say Frozen. Um, really? Yes, I know it's probably you wouldn't expect that from me, but um, the story between the two sisters is very much reminiscent of me and my sister growing up. She's two years older than me. She has blonde hair. I have the dark hair. Growing up, I was the annoying little sister who wanted to be just like her. And she was kind of like, leave me alone. And then as we got older, we grew so much closer. Um, You know, we're best friends now. And she's actually living in my house right now, taking care of it. So um, that was was really cool when we saw that movie come out. And we're like, I think they wrote this like because they heard our story or something. But that's uh, so weird you said that because Jerry and I thought the same about ourselves, right? Did they write this about our life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally kidding. You're, you're the cold one, Adam. Uh, it's it's anyway. true. <laughs> well, so, you know, Megan, take us a little bit behind the scenes, too, because you ended up with, uh, was it 2,800 points at Iowa? Do you remember how um, something like that? We were yeah. supposed to quiz her on that and see well, if I'm, we knew. I'm, I'm testing her. I'm testing her here, so. <laughs> I think it was 2,804. There we go. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, you yeah. know what? You, you achieve it. You got to, you got to oh. know, you got to take pride in it. But um, 
you know, take us behind the scene. You know, we had that with uh, Luca this year in men's basketball where, you know, they talked about it and how, you know, how nerve wracking is that to know when you're approaching that milestone? Like you're you're in the game where you most more than likely is that on your mind? Or are you able to really get into the flow of the game and like you normally would have? Or what's that like behind the scenes when you're when you're achieving those types of things? I mean, when I'm not playing, you know, people obviously remind me of certain things, certain milestones that are coming up. And but honestly, like when I'm in the game, I don't think about that at all. You know, I don't think about points, stats. I mean, if I had scored zero points, I'd be just as happy if I scored 40, honestly, as long as we win the game. Um, and so for me, um, it's kind of about compartmentalizing certain things, um, you know, you know, when you're when you step onto the court, your your job is to win a game. And how can I do that for my team? Um, and so I, I, I've become very good at putting things aside and um, to be able to move forward with my team. And so for me, um, you know, that pressure really wasn't there in the game. So I just felt free. I was able to do what I needed to do to help my team win. Okay. Megan, we briefly touched base on this earlier. Uh, hypothetically, if you weren't playing basketball right now, what, what do you feel like you would be doing you know, semi-specifically I mean, for a career. You know, double major. I mean, you were you were going after it professionally hey. too. Well, I'm honored to. <laughs> that's insane. And I was, you know, I, I there's been a lot of talk about you being a very intelligent player, and that there could be potential for a coaching career down the line. Is that mm-hmm. something you see for yourself potentially? And, and where, where do you see yourself outside of basketball? Yeah. So obviously, like that's kind of a crazy question because I play basketball all the time. You know, that's my life, but. Um, definitely something in business would be ideal. Um, you know, I was a marketing finance major, but I would love to stay in sports, um, you know, sports business, that kind of thing. I think a dream of mine would be to own, own specifically an NBA team. Um, I want to break that gender barrier and to be able to do that. There have been some, some women that have been able to do that. And I, um, you know, obviously that's a lofty goal and that's something that I got to work myself up to, but yeah. Uh, I'm thankful for the connections that I've already made. And, um, you know, having this professional experience as a basketball player, I think will really help. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, kind of interesting to think about what I would be doing. Um, you know, and it's good for me to think about that too, because eventually I'm going to have to put the basketball down. And as far as coaching, um, I would only coach, I think for the university of Iowa. So. Oh, really? yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that, Good is that our breaking news for this interview that you know, <laughs> Megan's, Megan says she will only coach for the university? Of Iowa, so. I mean, honestly, like coaching just seems so stressful, to be honest, like as a college coach. Um, but and so I don't I don't see myself specifically doing that. But, you know, down the road, if someday if Iowa needs mm-hmm. somebody, I, I will be there. You know, Coach Bluter's going to groom you and teach you everything you need to know. She won't let you fail. <laughs> True. She's the best. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, she's brought a, uh, you know, Coach Fitzgerald and uh, Coach Jensen along with them, so they're they're probably all gonna, you know, you you might have to get a couple assistants to come with you because I think they're all gonna leave as a group because they all came to Iowa as a group too. So, but anyway, so anyway, you know, we talked just a little bit about the following and the Iowa fans and how the supportive they are, Megan. But um, you know, now that you're in the WNBA as well. What is, from an athlete's perspective, social media and the Twitterverse? I mean, we always hear about how toxic it is. As an athlete, how much can you really allow yourself to pay attention to social media? You know, when you're talking to, like, to the fans of the certain teams you may be on and such. What's, what, what do you allow yourself and what's that like? Yeah, it's really important to be able to balance that. Um, you know, social media can be a really good thing. Um, you can use that platform to be an inspiration to other people. That's what I try to do and kind of show your personality on and off the court 
that's what a lot of us do in the league. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it's definitely a toxic environment full of negative energy. And um, as an athlete, as a pro athlete, you have to learn how to kind of put that aside and kind of figure out a good balance of, okay, when can I be on here to receive, you know, positive messages? When can I be on there to receive or to give, um, you know, a light to people who need it? Um, and then there's obviously the, the flip side where um, there's times where you need to be off it, whether it's, um, you know, seeing toxic things, seeing toxic people, um, or honestly, like before games and, and like after games and stuff, I like to take time away from it, you know, before and after just to kind of regroup, um, you know, mentally recover from games or whatever you're going through in life, um, you know, before moving forward. So again, social media is kind of a double-edged sword, to be honest. Um, you know, it's, I love it. I, I, you know, especially Instagram and Twitter, those are my specific, um, platforms that I use with my dog. And so again, it's, it's a fun, really fun app, a way to connect with the fans and everyone else, but it's definitely something that, um, you have to be careful with. I love that how you incorporate pancake into so many of the photos and stuff. It's just freaking awesome. But <laughs> it, it, tying into that, you know, you have a new affiliation with Zoark and an awesome clothing brand. Um, and I, I believe based at a debut kind of started in Iowa city and tell us a little bit about your relationship with them and what all you're doing for them and any potential marketing opportunities that might be down the road for you. Yeah, um, you know, I was able to join them shortly after graduating from the University of Iowa. Um, they've been awesome, you know, being able to communicate with them, um, coming up with ideas, that kind of thing. Um, I'm not really under contract with them right now because that did, you know, that was a couple of years ago and, and during that time. But um, they are coming out with a children's book recently um, that should be coming out with um, some athletes that are in in the children's book. So that'll be really cool to see how that gets incorporated into everything. Um, but yeah, I was really excited to do a, a clothing line. Um, we specifically did my logo MG um, and that came out right during the time of my retirement ceremony. And so they're very particular about, okay, when when is the best time to market myself and to get me out there? And so that's been really great. Um, and they also were able to do um, a segment off of the clothing line for my blog. Um, she's got faith. And so again, it was great working with them. I'm excited to see what that children's book's going to look like. And, um, yeah, I, you know, the state of Iowa, any kind of marketing that comes up with them, I'm always all about it because Iowa has such a special place in my heart. So on that note, you know, with name image likeness being in the headlines now, I mean, is there any little part of you, you can't go back and change, but is there a little part of you that just says, oh, if this had just been a couple of years earlier, you know, or, or anything like that, or, you know, how do you, how do you view it as Megan Gustafson? Yeah. I mean, you know, I kind of, I could have made some money there. Um, not going <laughs> to lie, but I mean, I wouldn't change my experience at all at Iowa for anything in the world, to be honest. I mean, just being able to be a part of that university, being a part of something bigger than myself was um, even more rewarding than money could ever be. Um, you know, I'm, again, I'm really excited for the athletes now that can use that name image likeness, especially um, moving forward with women's basketball. I think they're going to be able to profit a lot, especially, you know, under the likes of Caitlin Clark and that type of thing. And so I'm excited for them to be able to do that. And I'm really happy that the University of Iowa is putting in a program to help those athletes navigate. I think that's going to be the most important thing because, not all deals are a good deal. Not all, not our, all deals are going to benefit that athlete in the best way possible in the most positive light possible. 
And so, um, you know, I just, I just hope that athletes take that advice and, and under serious consideration before taking deals because these kids are so young, like they're still kids. I mean, they're not technically kids, but right. honestly, like from my perspective now being like looking back at college, you need guidance in those types of situations. Yeah. And so exactly. And you've had the world experience you've had just within a short period of time in those couple of years that not a college kids don't. So, I mean, right. quite well taken. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, so Megan, we'd like to play a little game on here called a name game where you get one word to describe the name that comes up or the first word that comes to mind. Adam has a list that he will read off. And all right, um, and what about gonna, all the names? <laughs> I was getting scared there for a minute, Jerry. Our screens went black. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? I no, I did not. But, oh, or maybe I was just on my end. So, well, you know, um, Nebraska, the telegraph converters in Nebraska aren't always reliable. So, you know, yeah. we, we don't have that great technology they have uh, east of the Missouri River here. So. All right, Megan, are you ready? It's time. Okay. To play the, time to play the name game. So you can give us like a one one word response after each one of these people. Of okay? like describing that person. Yep, describing first, that person. First, okay. first word that comes to mind, or the first thing that comes to mind. It might be a couple. Am words. I going to know all these names? Yes. Okay. yes. We made sure that you'll know the names. If yeah, you don't, right. then I'm going to be real worried. <laughs> we're, okay. not, we're not going to ask you about Adam. He's not on the list. So, you know. No, no. And I don't know. I don't want to know what you would say anyway. So, all right. Number one, Lisa Bluter. Um, passionate. Okay. We got number two, Kathleen Doyle. Fireball. Fireball. All right. Um, number three, a little bit of curveball here. Diana Taurasi. Goat. All right. All right. Um, the next is Caitlin Clark. Ooh, driven. Driven. All right. Mm -hmm. You're real good at this game. Jeez. And then the last one, um, our man, Fran McCaffrey. Oh, goodness. Um, well, that's a good one. Um, oh, I, I wanted to make you think. I wanted to throw a curveball at the end to get you get changing your thinking a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would say... See, I don't know him super well, but the way that he coaches and stuff, I would say um, – I would also say passionate. Like, he loves the yeah. game, too. I'd have to say that. Okay. One one I want to throw on there, Megan, because she is so active and energetic on social media is Jan Jensen. Oh, my gosh. I love her. <laughs> She's awesome. I mean, awesome. Honestly, she's just – she seems like the greatest person. What do you think it is about that coaching staff um, that makes them different? Because like you said, you hit it on the head. That is a, that is a staff that genuinely likes each other. And then mm -hmm. the players too, it's just such a succinct unit. Like you can tell everyone, it just flows and it works. What is it about that staff that makes them different? And what has been maybe the reason that like, you know, Coach Jensen or some other people haven't left to become head coaches somewhere else from this staff? Yeah, I think it starts with the coaches inner circle um, because they are so close because they're practically family. Um, you see that as players and that kind of sets the tone of, OK, this is what we need to do to, to be successful. And, and they know they know what it is to be successful. They were successful at Drake. They're successful here at Iowa before, you know, we all got there and then we were able to be successful when I was there and they're still successful. And so um, just having that core inside with the coaches, um, really just sets the tone uh, moving forward. So, one other name I wanted to put on there, but I only wanted one answer, and I was afraid you wouldn't give this one, but I wanted to say Luca Garza and have you respond, not as good as me. <laughs> 
No. <laughs> I, mean, I don't use two. I, I have to use two words for him. Hard worker. I mean. Yeah. yeah. That, that comes through in spades. But I, I still think my answer for you would have been better. So I don't know. But... All right, Megan. We're going to kind of end with this last, one of the, this last question, unless Jerry slides in with one at the last second. Okay. You're going out. It's Friday night. Okay. It's the off season. Mm-hmm. You're going out with some friends. You walk into a bar and it's karaoke night and they call your name. What song are you going to sing? Ooh, Halo by Beyonce. Really? Mm-hmm. You've been surprising me with some of these answers. It's, <laughs> see, this is why we're like, feel like we're getting to know you a little bit. This is great. It wasn't, it wasn't let it go at least. I, we, well, you know, that one was at the top of my list, but I'm like, I better not give them like a full on well, frozen I'm, Disney overload. <laughs> I appreciated the diversifying of the taste there. You didn't go right back to that same well. So, you know, but, yeah, I mean, that is right. kind of a, kind of a jam. So, okay. Yeah. So pancakes with you, what's pancakes choice on the karaoke machine? Oh goodness, pancake! I is mean, pan- she would, she would like to songs. Is she still there? We need to see her She's real quick. She's oh. she was passing out in your arms. I don't know if you noticed when you were sitting there at the beginning. I, I was. You were talking about something serious, and I'm like trying to focus, and I keep glancing over, and the dog's like, like just passing out, and I'm like, she I is so calm. Up. It's scary how calm she is on planes. Um, you know, walking, just the calmest dog you will ever meet. It's crazy. Well. Being old guys, Adam and I were getting really soothed by it, and we were ready to fall asleep too. You about had two guys, two old guys napping, trying that should have been asking questions. Oh man, you're exposing all of our secrets. <laughs> all right, Megan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule with practice and everything. Um, just, I'm going to be 100 percent real with you. It's an absolute honor to be able to sit down and talk to you. And um, Jerry and I, um, just in this brief moment, being able to speak for the, all the Hawkeye fans out there. Thank you so much for all of the great years that you gave us as a Hawkeye and all the great memories, they'll always be cherished. And we always appreciate everything that you did. And we're always going to be watching you throughout your whole career, cheering you on, trying to keep it calm on social media. (laughs) Stuff doesn't go right. I've never seen anyone in my life that's so universally loved. Like everybody, all Hawkeye fans are like, she is our girl. (laughs) Well, oh. and, and to Adam's point, if I could just add, you know, living in Nebraska like we do, you didn't, it wasn't just because you were a great player, but you did it with just such a class and style. And, you know, it was just, it was just a pleasure to be Iowa fans while you played there and to see how well you represented, you know, the team that we all get behind. So, yeah, thank you for very much for coming on. This has been a complete honor for us. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys and what you're doing with this podcast, just getting the word out on Hawkeyes and Hawkeye athletics, um, you know, that's what it's all about is the family, the atmosphere, and you guys are a part of it. So I appreciate both of you. We're trying to bring everyone together. I mean, that's the thing with Jerry and I is we really started this because so many Hawkeye fans out here. I'm a very obnoxious Hawkeye fan, like the biggest and the most annoying. (laughs) And I, everyone I talk to is like, God, we're just, you feel alone. Like we don't have anyone to watch games with or talk about the Hawks with. And (laughs) over the years, I'm like, I got to change this. Like we got to do something. And, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping, and I feel like we're maybe able to bring some people together. So thank you for saying that it's, it's important to us. And that's, it's all about the experience. Saying you appreciate us really means a lot to me because Adam never appreciates me. So thank you very much. You just made my afternoon. Thank you. All right, Megan. Thank you so much for taking time again. And we always end it with a Go Hawks. Go Hawks. All right. We'll see you. Thank you. Bye.